Hi, I'm Sylvain Berthelot, and you're listening to On One Condition, a podcast to raise awareness about health conditions by listening to people who live them every day. My guest today is MJ Wexler, and we're going to talk about lupus. Hi, MJ. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. How are you? Good morning or afternoon, where you are. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining. Uh, so, uh, as you know, I love starting with a song. Uh, so would you be able to tell us which song you chose and why did you choose that song? Yeah. So, um, I chose the song walk by Foo Fighters. Um, it's, it's from an album that came out in 2011. So it's, I mean, it's not older, but you know, it's definitely over a decade old. Um, and it's really about finding your way after, adversity. Um, and without getting into details, my 2023 started on a very low note, um, kind of had the rug pulled out right from under me and was feeling unloved and lost and broken. And that song became my anthem over the first few months when I was kind of navigating life and trying to, you know, get back on track. And I was at one point I was probably listening to it 20, 30 times a day, just repeat, repeat, repeat when I was driving, blasting in the car. Um, music's a very important part of my life. Um, and, and again, it really was just a way for me to, to get back on track and help my fi find myself again after a really traumatic time in my life. Okay. I was sorry to hear about that. Uh, are you, better now? Do you feel like you've gone over that part of your life? Yes. Yeah. I'm definitely yeah. over the proverbial hump, as they say, you know, it's, things are tough. Um, but I have amazing friends, family who've stood by me this year and, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear. Uh, and I like Foo Fighters. So <laughs> I, I completely uh, empathize with uh, putting a song on repeat like that, <laughs> but it's, it's good. Like that, that's one of the reasons why I like asking people about music because I feel like music can be very grounding, can be sometimes something you turn to just to feel better or to. Um, get some angriness outside um, yeah. out of it. There's a quote that's, um, when words fail, music speaks. And that is always something I've truly lived by. Um, music is my outlet. I, I love all kinds of music. But so when I got that question from you the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, hopefully you love all the questions today. Then. <laughs> um <laughs> Starting with lupus, and I must confess that's something I know very little about. Okay. Uh, so would you be able to explain to me and the audience what lupus is and how does it affect you? Certainly. Um, so there are diff different forms of lupus. I have systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, but when you hear people just say the word lupus, Typically, it's about SLE, the systemic um, type of the disease. Um, lupus is an autoimmune disease. Um, 
So my body creates autoantibodies. And in healthy people, you get a virus, you get some kind of bacterial infection, your white blood cells know there's something foreign in your body and work to fight off that infection. Uh, in lupus, uh, the immune system kind of goes haywire. And I create uh, what's called autoantibodies, and they actually attack healthy cells and tissues. Um, so I, I always say that it's kind of like the inside of my body is like Call of Duty. It's constantly at war. Um, and systemic lupus can cause um, chronic pain. It can literally damage and attack any organ system in the body. It's a very complex disease. It certainly doesn't get um, the, the publicity, for lack of better words, that it deserves. It doesn't get the money towards research that it deserves. Um, and there are very limited treatment options. Okay. Um, when you say chronic pain, uh, what is the pain related to? Is it these infl like inflammations? Or? Uh, so yes, lupus causes yeah. widespread inflammation. Um, a lot of people with lupus, their pain is widespread joint pain. Um, although lupus attacks the joints, it doesn't actually cause damage to the bones, like say rheumatoid arthritis, which is another type of autoimmune disease, but it attacks the joints and causes inflammation in a way that causes widespread pain. So for me, my problem areas are um, my hands, which is difficult because we live in a mobile laptop typing world. Um, my knees and both my hips are, are usually my biggest problem areas. Um, you know, some days I, I have widespread pain. Um, with lupus, you never really know what the day is going to bring you. Some days I have, you know, minimal pain where I feel like I can really get by in my days. And some days the pain is so severe that I'm stuck in bed. Yeah, that that's, was going to be uh, another question of... I've talked to someone with uh, fibromyalgia, for example, on, on the podcast, and the level of pain that they describe varies depending on the day. Uh, so it sounds like it's similar for you. Yeah. 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 Um, and and big big um, like drops or um, rises in temperature can cause that. Um, okay. Rises or drops in the barometric pressure can really change the pain and cause more widespread pain throughout the day. Really? Um, some people with lupus do better in you know more four season climates. Mm -hmm. um, I know some people who lived you know in, in cooler, colder climates in upstate or New England area and moved down to Florida and Georgia because they felt their symptomatology improved in okay. warmer, more humid climates. I do not do well <laughs> in hot, humid climates. I basically can't function. Okay. Um, so I'm right outside Philadelphia in the Northeast area of the U.S. And, you know, although we do get extreme cold and extreme hot, it's fairly temperate here. And I okay. found that's the best for me. Yeah. And does the tiredness or like do, does your... Um, Yeah, physical um, activity also impacts the level of pain or is it mostly from outside factors? 
No, certainly if it's days where, you know, I almost forget I have lupus and, and other autoimmune diseases and feel like I can do the things that a, a healthy person can do. I certainly kind of pay the consequences for a few days after there's, there's something that says, um, you know, did all the things today and now we'll be paying for it for the next week. And that's, that's very indicative of lupus. Um, lupus also causes severe fatigue. So I could sleep. I'm not much of a sleeper, but I, I could, you know, if I did sleep eight hours a night and never truly feel well rested. Um, another thing that we complain about is kind of this brain fog, where sometimes it, it just kind of feels like there's a haze over your mind and, and things are often fuzzy. Um, I uh, brain fog and, and just lupus itself, because lupus can attack the brain, can cause severe seizures, um, it can cause memory loss, um, it can cause confusion, and that differs from patient to patient. And is it linked to what you said earlier about it potentially attacking organs? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, lupus causes widespread inflammation. Um, some people with lupus have a very mild disease state. They're, you know, maybe taking, taking the one first line lupus medication. They can work full time. They have children and, and they can live a fairly normal life. Um, I guess I'm somewhere on the other side, maybe like right over the middle mark where, okay. you know, I no longer work full time. Um, I'm a pediatric nurse. I used to work full time at the bedside. I can no longer do that anymore. The physical, um, the physical and mental constraints that lupus has caused just make me feel like it's, it's not safe to take care of pediatric patients mm -hmm. at the bedside. Um, so I've, I've, had to change every single aspect of my life exponentially because of the disease. How did that affect work? So wh why did you feel like you couldn't do it anymore or this type of work? So I was, I was diagnosed in 2008 and at that point I hadn't had any organ damage yet and was doing well on that first line medication that I talked about and, um, had to add in, um, an immunosuppressant here and there. Um, but in 2012, I was working full-time in a pediatric cardiac ICU. I was flip-flopping day back and forth between day and night shift, you know, on my feet running around for 12 hours. Uh, I also thought it would be a great idea to go back to school and get my master's to be a pediatric nurse practitioner. I was newly married I was in my late 20s, so I still wanted to have some semblance of a social life. <laughs> so I, you know, I'll admit I, I really did over push myself and my body. Um, and is that to say that just doing those things alone or what led me to eventually having uh, a multi-organ <laughs> damaging lupus flare or was that? biologically, maybe something that was just going to happen for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's no way to know. But, you know, the things I did outside of my body, like working and going to school and pushing myself, I'm sure certainly, you know, caused some of that destruction that that happened in 2012. Um, I found out that the that lupus had attacked my lungs, my uterus, my brain, and my heart. Um, and I remember 
sobbing in my rheumatologist at the time. And, and she just looked at me and, you know, we were going through how I was still working full time, how I was still doing night shift, how I was in school. And she looked me dead in the eye and said, MJ, you have to respect the lupus. And I was like, oh, okay, fair. Um, Cause I, I didn't, you know, I yeah. took my meds. I got my blood drawn when I needed to get my blood drawn. I went to the doctors, but I was pushing my body in ways that, I really shouldn't have been and knew better, especially as, as a nurse. Um, and so uh, she recommended that I take six weeks off of short-term disability just to start a new treatment regimen and kind of recharge my batteries. And those six weeks turned into almost five years on long-term disability, getting approved for social security. Yeah. So I, I got very, very, very ill before I even started to get better. Really? Wow. And when you said that it attacked your organs, so you said lungs, uh, heart, and, um, do your organs recover afterwards? So they can. Um, something my uterus did not. I had to have surgery that ultimately made me infertile, um, which is a story for another day of all the trauma that resulted in, um, you know, as a, as a female in my twenties who had just gotten married and was planning on, you know, having a family. Um, when we found out that the disease had attacked my brain, my lungs and heart, I went on very high dose oral steroids and I started, um, different types of chemotherapy, um, with lupus, there's at the time there was only four FDA approved drugs and only one of them was specifically indicated for lupus. Most of the treatment options we have are all off label. They come with the black, black box warnings. Um, so the high dose steroids and the chemotherapy I was on at the time was able to halt progression in my organs. Um, my lungs actually did improve a little bit. Um, the, the, um, lupus brain fog. <laughs> um, when it attacked my heart, it attacked my aortic valve and caused severe regurgitation um, and has since improved, but not gone back to baseline. Um, now, I, I know we're talking about lupus, but I was actually born with a rare congenital heart defect. So I've had three open heart surgeries, five heart surgeries total. I have a pacemaker. Um, so I, I was always getting cardiac assessments. I get echocardiograms, which is an ultrasound of your heart every six months. And, and that's ultimately how it was found and realized like, oh, lupus is attacking your heart because where it was attacking was not, not a place where people with my defect normally have issues. And it was, you know, no one knows for sure. Um, but that's when it was decided that it was most likely lupus attacking my aortic valve. Wow. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a we, lot. We barely scratch the surface, but we're <laughs> yeah. going to talk about lupus today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And so going back in time then, um, how did you realize that you – have lupus? How did you get diagnosed? So knowing what I know now about the disease, I, I 
truly believe I started showing symptoms in my early 20s, like 2021, 20, 22. And I would go to, you know, my primary care physician and, you know, we would get labs, I would get labs drawn and everything came back relatively normal. And she would just say, you know, you're, you're in college full time, you're 21, you're partying full time. Yeah, I was working full time as a bartender and, you know, normal I mean, I don't know if any normal 21-year-old feels terrible all the time, but it was just chalked up to like not getting enough sleep, drinking and partying too much, not eating right. And so we kind of would let it go and I would have little flares where I would be extremely fatigued and have like widespread joint pain. I would be covered in rashes, which is another huge part of lupus, but I was kind of always blown off. Um, and I even went to my cardiologist at that time. And not that I, you know, expect a cardiologist to diagnose me with an autoimmune disease, but he was basically like, your heart's fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, in early 2008, I got married and we went to St. Lucia for our honeymoon. Now, people with lupus cannot be in the sun. Uh, it can actually cause severe flares. Um, and some people being in the sun can lead to organ damaging flares, causes widespread rashes, severe fatigue. Um, so again, unbeknownst to me that I had lupus, I spent 10 days in, you know, St. Lucia soaking up the sun. And about three weeks after we got home, uh, you know, I think it was a Saturday morning. I don't even remember, but you know, I rolled over to look at my brand new husband thinking what I thought was, you know, Bambi, look at me eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and he coiled back horrified and I'll, you know, leave out the expletives, but was like, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> what do you mean what's wrong with my face? I remember jumping up into the bathroom and my face, have, have you seen Shrek? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My face was, I mean, I wasn't green, obviously, but my face was hugely swollen. My mm. eyes could barely open. I was covered in these raised, rough, red rashes all over. Um, so I always tell people that I looked like Shrek. And, I, you know, obviously freaked out because that's my face. And we went to the emergency room and they gave me some Benadryl and the swelling went down. They said it was probably an allergic reaction to something. Um, and that continued for several months. Um, you know, I was told I had a skin infection. I, I was told a million wrong, incorrect things. I was gaslit, told I was perfectly fine. Um, and in my heart of hearts, I knew that I was not fine. Um, you know, aside from the facial rashing and swelling, it was getting to the point, point where the fatigue was really severe. Again, my joints were swelling. It looked like I had marbles in my joints. Um, I was having a lot of difficulty working because, again, at that time, I was still working at the bedside as, as a nurse. Um, and just in and out of doctors, scoped, scanned, nothing no one could find anything wrong with me. And I remember one of my last ER visits, um, the attending physician came to me and was like, I really think you need psychiatric help. Mm. And that blew my mind because, you know, I knew what was happening to my body. I knew I wasn't dreaming this or making this up or, you know, trying to get attention. Um, so was that in relation to you uh, seeking attention? Is this what they meant by that? I, I 
feel that way maybe like really? I was attention seeking or yeah. you know it was it was all in my head I was making it up they you know there was nothing wrong with me and I'm like look at my face look at my joints how can you say there's nothing wrong with me and and I got really frustrated and and you know obviously extremely upset and angry and and kind of felt like wow I'm left alone to deal with this um and maybe a couple weeks later uh it was a weekday morning but you know, most bedside nurses only work three days a week. We work 12 hour shifts. So it was, it was a day during the week, but I had off that day. And I remember I woke up and, you know, eyes swollen shut, covered in rashes, super in a lot of pain, could barely open my eyes. And I had my husband drop me off at the emergency room that morning on his way to work. I'm like, just take me, I'll figure it out. And, uh, uh, a resident, a first year resident, like straight out of med school, uh, walked in and, and he asked me if I had ever seen someone from rheumatology. And I was like, no. And then, you know, I was like, can we put in a consult so I can see him while I'm here? And he's like, no, we'll make you appointments. And they made me an appointment in two days to see the rheumatologist. And I kind of started, you know, Googling, which I don't always recommend. <laughs> um, and then going through some of my nursing textbooks, you know, sort of like the immunology and, and rheumatology section. And before I walked into that appointment two days later, I was like, I knew I had lupus. Yeah. And okay. still so took some time <laughs> to actually get the definitive diagnosis, probably another six months, but I was right. Really? Wow. Uh, it, do you know if it's widespread that it's difficult to get a diagnosis? So it's ex it's extremely difficult to diagnose. Lupus is often called the great imitator because its signs and signs and symptoms often imitate many other diseases. Oh, okay. um, there is no test to diagnose diagnose lupus. You don't get blood work done and, mm -hmm. you know, you have lupus, you don't have a biopsy, you don't pee on the stick and they're like, oh, you have lupus. Um, there are 11 criteria that have, um, through the American College of Rheumatology, there's 11 diagnostic criteria. And if you have four or more, you're given a diagnosis of lupus. And at the time oh, okay. of my diagnosis, I had eight. Wow. So, yeah. So I have lupus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go back to something you said about uh, going to St. Lucia and then mm -hmm. like three weeks later, more or less, you had this, what they called allergic reaction at the time. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that a flare can take this many days to uh, actually uh, happen after you've been exposed to a lot of sun? It can certainly, um, you know, even, even I, mean, I, I was careful, especially I'm, <laughs> I'm very white and sensitive to the sun anyway. So I was yeah. wearing, you know, lots of sunscreen, um, but it, it can, you know, some people they're out in the sun for 10, 15 minutes and they're, they need to go to bed. Um, my sun sensitivity at, at that point wasn't that severe. Oh, okay. And my rheumatologist thinks that being in the sun that much triggered some kind of initial true immune response. And that's okay. when I, you know, flared three weeks later. Yeah. Okay. And is it something you were born with or is it something that you catch somehow? So I'm, you know, lupus is not contagious. There is a um, genetic predisposition that 
I know of no one on either side of my family has lupus. Um, my dad's mother, who's now deceased, um, had this history of being allergic to the sun. She would bust out and they would break out in these huge, awful red raised rashes that looked very similar to the rashes I, I often get. So I wonder if maybe she had lupus and, you know, it wasn't that severe and it, it just went undiagnosed. It's certainly possible. Um, but there is, there is a genetic component. I just don't have any family history that I, that I know of. Um, there is a strong link between trauma and autoimmune disease. Um, trauma can cause kind of a glitch in the immune system. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was born with a heart defect, uh, three open heart surgeries, two more closed heart surgeries, a pacemaker, more procedures than any child should go through. Um, and I often wonder if the, the trauma from that alone is what you know, caused my immune system to go haywire. Yeah. Eventually lead to this. Okay. Wow. Um, you mentioned medication. So I assume there is medication to treat lupus. Is, there is. Or is it to, to treat certain symptoms? How does it help? So the, the first line lupus medication is hydroxychloroquine, which if you remember during the height of COVID, was touted as the cure for COVID. Yeah. Um, that has obviously since been disproven. Mm -hmm. um, hydroxychloroquine is actually an anti-malarial, um, but it's been found in lupus to help with some of the rashes. It can help um, kind of tamp down the inflammation and lead in some patients to less joint pain. Um, I know a lot of women with lupus who that's the only medication they're on and and they do fine on just a hydroxychloroquine alone. Um, uh, aspirin is an FDA approved medication for lupus. Um, there's a specific auto antibody that many lupus patients have that can cause blood clots. Um, okay. So that's another medication. Um, people with lupus are often put on prednisone, methylprednisolone, a, a steroid. Um, mm -hmm. And the steroids are also immunosuppressants um, because that's what lupus is, an autoactive or an uh, overactive, oh my God, the brain fog. It's an <laughs> overactive immune system. So yeah. giving a patient with lupus immunosuppressants, you know, calms down the immune system. So a lot of times when there's, where's like, there's an acute issue, like um, uh, fluid around the heart, fluid in the lungs, which can occur commonly in lupus, severe joint pain, um, kidney issues, also very common in lupus, they'll kind of go put the patient on high dose steroids as like a quick fix. Um, okay. steroids are not meant to be taken long-term, um, as, as wonderful as they are in some ways, they come with a myriad of awful side effects. Yeah. So, um, a lot of us in the autoimmune community call them the devil's Tic Tacs because we're on them so often that we feel like we're, we're popping them like candy. But again, they come with a myriad of, of pretty terrible side effects. Um, and, and some of those side effects can be long-term. Um, in 2011, the first medication specific to lupus was FDA approved, and that's called Benlista. It's uh, an immunosuppressant. It's a biologic, um, mm -hmm. and it actually works directly on 
B cells, um, which can be very active in, in lupus. Um, so it, it works on the B cells. Um, it's very expensive as biologics are. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's really not, I mean, I'm on it. I've been taking it for years. Um, but I don't think it's as great a drug as we were hoping for in the community. Um, something with lupus. So 90% of those affected by lupus are women and two thirds of the population are minorities. So as much as I want to believe my blonde hair, pale pale skin is the face of lupus, I'm not. Um, The majority of those with lupus are are of African descent, Pacific Islanders, Asian descent, Mediterranean descent. um, And often um, those minorities have much more severe disease. And we found one because of the disparity of, you know, minorities in clinical trials as a whole. We've also found that those medications, the biologics, another one has also been FDA approved. We found that they're not as effective in the minority population. And you have a disease that affects more minorities than not, and you have drugs that aren't as effective for them. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a big, big topic within the clinical industry at the moment uh, yes which is good because we need to have that we need to have these conversations a lot more than we ever have yeah 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 uh so it sounds like there's no uh miracle medication (laughs) no not yet i mean they're 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 you know there's a lot of companies that are finally seeing I was going to say the point, that sounds terrible, but that are finally working um, on lupus. Um, It's such a complex disease that affects, you know, every single person differently. And because it can attack any organ system in the body, it's it's obviously very difficult to treat. So my nurse healthcare provider hat, I understand um, why it's taking so long, but the patient side of me sees a disease that mostly affects women and minorities. And it kind of feels like we're left out of the game. Yeah. Not great. No. Uh, Has it had any impact on your mental health at all? Yeah, certainly. Um, You know, when I was first, first started getting sick, I was three weeks into marriage um, and got diagnosed a few months later. Um, and I felt, you know, especially when my rheumatologist was like, it was most likely your honeymoon that got you sick. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of felt my body was like rejecting my marriage as soon as we got married. Um, and you know, he's, he's a good man, but my, my husband, especially when I started to get really, really ill, just couldn't handle it. Um, and that certainly took a toll on me mentally, you know, in sickness and in health. It was supposed to be your partner for life. Yeah. He just completely checked out. He wouldn't go to the to appointments with me. I had to beg him on the rare occasions that I did to go and ask questions and to actually admit that I was sick and this was affecting me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was someone who had a lot of dreams and goals. Uh, I was you know, it was my dream to become a nurse practitioner. And I was one semester away from graduating when I had to go out on disability. Um, And I also, you know, dropped out of my master's program and lost all my credits. And I'm not a nurse practitioner and I'm not at the bedside anymore. And, you know, I, I love what I do now. And I realize that I'm lucky to have a job 
with my limitations that yeah. I can still do and, and, you know, make a difference in, in pediatric patients' lives. But, you know, obviously that, that took such a toll mentally that, you know, watching all my friends that I was in school with go on to graduate and get jobs within my hospital as nurse practitioners. Once I went back to work, I had a hard time, like if I was in a patient's chart and I saw a note by, you know, Susie Q, nurse practitioner, someone I went, you know, was in school with, like, it was like Uh, a knife through the heart, you know, realizing, you know, everything that this disease has taken away from me. Um, And lupus can actually cause severe depression. So is it, you know, are you depressed that you have lupus? Or Mm -hmm. does the lupus cause the depression? And it's, you know, it's, it's very common, um, you know, in the disease for, for patients to be depressed. And, and of course it's a chronic illness that doesn't go away anyway. Um, yeah. but lupus can cause severe depression. Is there um, any... I, just, I felt alone, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like from what you've described, especially if then you're also told that you're making it up, that must be very hard to, to carry on advocating for yourself. Yeah, it's it's extremely isolating because, you know, yeah. you go home after hearing you need psychiatric help and you're like, well, maybe I do. Maybe he's right. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't, thank goodness. But not that there's anything wrong with needing psychiatric help. <laughs> just I knew yeah, there was something yeah. physically wrong with me. Yeah. And did you get any support, like mental health support at all? I did, yeah. I, I yeah. have an amazing therapist um, who has helped me through <laughs> everything over the years. Um, I have wonderful family and friends. Um, yeah, I mean, I have the support, but at the time, you know, I was I was hoping my husband would be more supportive. And, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm a very strong person. I, I got through it. Um, but... Sometimes it was even hard just to get him to acknowledge I was sick. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that. Um, so I, I want to, to shift to something related, obviously, but uh, maybe a slightly different topic. Uh, so could you tell us a bit more about Luck Fupus? Yes. Uh, which I, I love the name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I was very careful not to swear when saying it. <laughs> A lot of people say that, yeah. um, that they have to be very careful when they're saying it out loud. Um, so 2012 is when I went out on disability. And, you know, I went from working 40, 50 hours a week in a very busy cardiac ICU to being, you know, in school for my master's full time Mm -hmm. to, you know, still trying to have a social life to all of a sudden just sitting at home as this sick person. Um, And I, you know, I'm sure not having a supportive husband also played a role, but I really felt like I lost my identity. Like I was MJ, the, the nurse who worked at the same hospital that where I had my heart surgeries and, Mm -hmm. you know, was going back to school and and worked in the same unit that took care of her, worked along doctors that took care of her. So I really lost that, that identity of being like MJ superhero nurse um, to just being this sick person. And even though, you know, I I grew up being sick, I spent the majority of my childhood in the hospital. you know, in my 20s and, and finally graduating through nursing school and, and, you know, 
beginning my career um, at the hospital where I work, it was it was monumental for me. So to kind yeah. of feel like it all just came to a grinding halt, mm-hmm. halt was was extremely difficult. And is this where you created Luck Fupus? Oh yeah, wow, brain fog. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, <laughs> so my sister is a writer by trade. I am not. Um, and she was blogging before it was like the cool and trendy thing to do, like, Mm -hmm. you know, in the early days of the internet. Um, and she was like, you should start a blog. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a writer. No. And she just kind of kept, you know, like it might help. It might be therapeutic. And I'm like, who's going to read it? Who cares what I have to say? And, you know, she just kept bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. All right. So I started the blog. Um, and I remember being awake one night in a prednisone-induced insomnia. Um, prednisone causes severe insomnia. So it was like 3 a.m., typing away on my laptop. And, you know, I'm like, what, what the heck am I going to name this thing? And if, if you know me, I'm pretty quick-witted, sarcastic, bad and foul-mouthed and and I knew I had to come up with something witty and it it just you know kind of came to me and so I was like oh there it is um I knew I couldn't you know as much as I wanted to have it the other way even and there is one uh an advocacy company called F Cancer but you know I didn't want to step on any toes um so Luck Fupus was born and you know I blogged for about a year you know, I didn't share it publicly. My friends didn't know I was blogging. I think my sister and another friend who was a writer was the only ones who knew of the existence. And then actually someone, maybe like a year-ish, year and a half into writing, uh, someone from the UK reached out to me and, you know, sent me an email. Cause, you know, I had my email address uh, link to the blog. And she was just like, thank you. You're saying all the things I've always wanted to say. It's so great to not feel alone. Um, your words have, have really made me feel like I'm not the only one on the planet going through this. Um, and we mailed back and forth some, and I realized like, oh, I, I could do something with this. And, and, you know, going from my role as a nurse who always wanted to help patients any way I could, I kind of realized, okay, it's not, it doesn't look like how I expected my life to go, but I can certainly do something with this. I can keep writing. And I did. And, you know, I, I haven't blogged in in several years, but I, I don't know if you've ever read any of my posts, but they're, raw and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of profanity and I kind of just tell it how it is. And I, I, I didn't realize that just being that open and honest would really kind of ignite something in people to feel, feel like they're not alone, feel like there are people who are going through this and completely understand. Um, and then, sorry. Yeah, in a way, uh, I think being raw is and, and honest is is what we need, you know, in some respect. In the when it affects you, and especially when you look at the the healthcare system, um, there's a lot of very careful treading, and you don't always feel like you're being told 
the, the absolute truth. Uh, and I've heard people sometimes say, well, I would have liked my, my doctor to actually react the way I reacted that like with empathy and saying it sucks actually is sometimes what you need to hear to really realize what's happening and to feel like they understand what's happening. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, it's, and, and I don't, you know, I can't say that all doctors sugarcoat or kind of give you false hope, but every once in a while, it would be nice to have someone just say like, yeah, this bleep, 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 bleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so have you found that it helped create or find a, a community? It did. Yeah. So once, once I realized like, oh, I, you know, people are reading this and it, and it wasn't about the numbers and how many people read it and how many hits my page got <clears throat> for me, you know, it was, it was truly about making a difference. Um, but I wanted more than just writing. Um, I wanted to kind of work my way into the industry to get my voice heard more. Um, and in 2014, we go health, which is now health union, um, an online health advocacy community. Um, to this day, I don't know who nominated me, but in 2014, I won the hilarious health activist award. Go figure. (laughs) Um, I'm funny. Um, (laughs) and that, winning that award and kind of getting my name out there more uh, was my platform to start kind of heading down the path of advocacy I'm on now. I I began being invited to healthcare conferences, um, sitting on panels, um, you know, sharing my story, giving keynote talks. Um, I'm now, as you know, part of the Patient Insights Board with Metadata, um, where we work on everything from protocol design to you know, actual web application design and, you know, really showing how patients can finally make healthcare about them. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, what, what's, what started as, you know, writing just my little blog has, has really turned into a career that I'm extremely proud and passionate about. Well, it's really good to hear because from what you've explained, you felt like you lost your your career. So good to hear that you managed to get something out of it. Uh, Well, I always like finishing with the same question, which you may know or may not know what it is, uh, but um, I love asking this question and hearing what people say. Uh, what's your happy place, a place where you feel at peace? <laughs> There's a couple places. Um, it's kind of ironic that I would say this one because I just went, you know, on a 45 minute tangent, how people with lupus can't be in the sun. But um, <laughs> I grew up, you know, in Southern New Jersey, an hour from the Atlantic ocean. Um, before lupus, I used to live at the beach down the shore, you know, every single day in the summer, all the weekends, it's still my happy place. Just, you know, the feel of my feet on the sand, the sound of the waves crashing, the salty air, even the, you know, caulking of the seagulls. It's just a place where I feel like I can just kind of not even connect, but I almost feel isolated, but in a good way 
where I just kind of feel like it's just me. Um, <laughs> I, again, that was probably a bad answer since I shouldn't be in the sun, but um, <laughs> it's not something I do often. Mm-hmm. Um, but another happy place is just sitting on my couch, listening to um, my late father's records, um, sitting with a good, nice hot cup of coffee and reading a book. Um, I'm, I love being able to get lost in music, lost in words and good books. And it's one of the very few ways I have to shut my brain off. Wonderful. And we're, we're going back where we started with music. So amazing Always music. place to finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, MJ. It's been amazing. Thank I've you. learned a lot about lupus. Uh, thank you from uh, all the patients who don't raise their voice for what you do, uh, raising your voice and sharing. Uh, I'm sure it does a lot of good. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful you reached out and then we got to do this.